Well, this is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you're listening to Start the World. Uh, my guest today is AJ Cortez, formerly known as Chad Jesus. And uh, AJ, thanks for coming on the show. How's it going, Jack? So last year, a lot of people had a bad year and you had a pretty awesome year. Uh, you know, like I remember hearing about everything and you started out, you were in Egypt when the world started to, to, to shut down. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that because it's a cool story. Um, yeah. So let, I'll start at the beginning. So 2000, 2019, um, yeah, which was now two years ago. It was 2019. Uh, I had gone to uh, Romania. I spent time with the Tate brothers. Um, I was there for a few weeks, over a month actually. And going to 2020, I had a sense coming back to the United States that the splits, the social political situation was getting hot. Um, I didn't want to really be around. I didn't want to be in the U.S. You know, in 2020. So I got back, and I told my girlfriend, like, guess what? Uh, I'm, I'm moving overseas. We're going to travel. We can be together. We cannot be together. You can come with me or not come with me. If you want to come with me, great. I want you to have, have you with me. If not, no, I'm going regardless. So she was very down for the idea. And originally we had this idea of sort of like a world tour set up where we were going to go to a lot of countries, just you know, have this very fun time. And the first country on that list was Egypt. I always want to see Egypt, historical place. There's a lot of old stuff there, obviously pyramids, you know, Valley of Kings. So we got to Egypt in February and the virus, you know, the Wuhan Chinese, you know, can't speak its name virus. That was, already, that was obviously that was already in the news. You know, that was circulating. Is this going to spread? Is this going to you know, become this global right. issue? And I feared, yeah, maybe it spreads, but I don't, I'm not thinking there's going to be a pandemic and what would happen would happen. As it went down, watching the course of events unfold in Egypt, I saw, okay, it's in multiple countries. Okay, it's it's growing here. There's cases here. There's cases here. And I started getting the sense, like, you know, maybe we need to leave. I don't I don't want to get locked down in Egypt. You know, if there's going to be some sort of lockdown situation. And ironically enough, uh, the day we were due to fly back to the United States, in fact, you know, I said, I have, I have some friends that work in the State Department. They told me, you know what, there's a lockdown coming. You should consider getting out of the country if you don't want to be there for a while. Um, this was in March now. I was like, all right, like I'll, so I booked a flight. We were going to go from Egypt to Turkey, back to the U S to Miami actually. And then at the airport that morning, all flights in Egypt got canceled. All flights out of Europe were grounded. And that this was like the day of the, the week day of the shutdown. I want to say it was March 17th, something like that. When everything this began to close. Mm -hmm. um, so we couldn't get back in the United States, which ended up being this blessing in the skies. So I was like, all right, where can we go? The only countries that were open were really Southeast Asia. Turkey had shut down all of its airports. So, you know, that whole region of flights in the world was closed out. We couldn't do it. And Thailand had been one of the countries on the list since I'd always wanted to go to Thailand to do Muay Thai. So I I thought we'd end up there later. I'd go to Thailand later. But we could still get into Thailand. So 
we were at the airport for it was something like 15 hours. We managed to get a flight. The the craziness of it at the time, it's it's funny to look back on now, but literally the, the airport employees, every airline, they were printing out papers, you know, looking at this by the minute, like, okay, which country is closed? Uh, they thought we were going to Malaysia first. Wait, Malaysia just shut down. You can't go there. I was like, no, we're going to Thailand. Thailand kept its borders open for another five days. So we got into Thailand, and then the entire country shut down within three days of getting there. But we were in Thailand. So I was like, you know what? This is a pretty good place to be, uh, despite you know having lockdowns. Thailand was very calm. They've dealt with SARS before. Uh, very low-key energy. Nobody was overreacting. There was no media frenzy panic there was no death meter you know counting down each day oh this many people died this very calm response and then also thailand was a sunny country thailand's not overweight um the spread with there was extremely low you know while i was there there was less than four thousand cases the whole time uh, there's only like 60 deaths it, it, it wasn't a thing there really right so while i was there i was like yeah this, this is actually pretty cool it's a tropical place Food's amazing. People are wonderful. I, I love the Thai people. I'm like, I can do movie Thai now. So I got in touch um, through, I'll, I'll give her a sort of a shout out of sorts. There's, a, there's an American fighter who lives in Thailand. Her name is uh, Sylvie Douglas Vaughn Tutin, something like that. I'm totally butchering her last name. Um, she goes by Sylvie. So Sylvie, she's, she's American. She's a woman, obviously. She's had over 250 professional fights in Muay Thai. Wow. More than any American. Uh, she has a website, eightlens.com, uh, I believe is the website. Anyone that's listening to this that's like serious about Muay Thai, fight sports, like really wants to be a fighter, go to her website. She's got tutorials. She's done um, training sessions with literally every Thai master of the last 30 years. Incredible resource for fighting. So through her website, I became aware of this fighter from the golden age of Muay Thai. His name was uh, Sagat Pechindi. So he was part of the inspiration for the street, for the character and Street Fighter, Sagat. Nice. And he was very renowned for being this fantastic, phenomenal teacher, like the best one-on-one -on -one training you can get in the country. Like, if, you, if you're going to be a Muay Thai fighter, go train with Sagat, you know, if you're really going to do it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to train with Sagat. So I got his number from her, and then I trained with Sagat every day um, for basically six months from, uh, let's see, when this, what was like May, yeah, May, June, July, August, uh, May, June, yeah, May, uh, yeah, May, June, July, August, September, October, um, and then like you know, in November. So I trained with Sagat every day for six months. We met up every day, and he taught me you know, the fundamentals and basics and uh, essentials of Muay Thai. And then at the end of six months, I decided, you know what, I feel like I'm ready to go, you know, train with other people. You know, sort of put myself more in like the traditional Thai gym atmosphere where you train twice a day. It's two, three hour training sessions. You know, there's clinching, there's sparring. So then I did that uh, in November and December. And then in December is when I finally decided to come back because, you know, with the election sort of fiasco, whatever you want to call it, all that craziness, I realized, like, okay, the U.S. don't think Trump's going to win. There's going to be a whole bunch of socio-political changes. California, you know, I was still keeping track of. I could see taxes were supposed to go up. There's going to be new wealth taxes. You know, there's urban decay, you know, happening at an accelerated rate. And I wanted to uh, change my tax residence you know, to a different state that was zero income tax. And you know, because I was going to be living overseas, you know, that's a plan long term. Yeah, you, know, you want to reduce your tax bill. Yeah, you know, for and so for any of the guys listening to this, where you think I want to leave the U.S., I want to be an expat. Uh, yeah, you can obviously book a flight and go to a country, but 
securing a visa, getting a long-term residence, paying taxes. You still have to pay taxes. You can't avoid that. The IRS is international. So if you're going to do that and you're serious about it, like it behooves you to educate yourself on the subject. Um, for myself, I realized, okay, I don't want to have my tax residence in California. I don't want to be connected to California. I want to go to a zero income tax state. I want to have a home base in the United States while having multiple residences overseas. What would be the best state to do that in? Florida, zero income tax, very, very business friendly, tropical kind of state, a lot of excellent fighting gyms in Florida. So I decided to make Florida the place. But uh, that was that was my 2020. It was it was just training Muay Thai every day. Um, you know, business wise, yeah, I, I won't lie. I made a fuckload of money last year. Like that, that was 2020 was the best thing that ever happened to my business. Literally doubled my income because everybody was training at home. Everybody wanted home training workouts. Everybody wanted to know how to adapt their training to. Hey, what if I only have dumbbells or kettlebells, or all I have is a cable setup or you know calisthenics. Uh, so, I mean, that was kind of surprising to me because I had a few weeks during lockdown where I'm like, oh, shit, like, you know, most of my programs are designed for a gym, you know, not right. you know, home training. But the home training products, they took off. Uh, so, I mean, you know, this, I mean, it sounds braggadocio, but like it was a fantastic year. Yeah, I, I, had the, I had the best year professionally, personally, you know, spiritually, everything, on every front, it was the best year of my life. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, especially not being here, I think that's probably helped yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> not being here and having to deal with like the, the American mess, I think would probably be helpful because it was a lot more weird, I think probably, uh, you know, like, <laughs> is it going to happen today? Is it civil war today? You know, like, the, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's, that's kind of just been an ongoing question for the past like year. Uh, huh. so you know, it's just been, there's a, you know, it's definitely been a different environment. Obviously I was pissed off enough that I like jumped ship and left for sold my house and moved from one state to the other. But uh, so yeah, it sounds like you were in a great spot and yeah, yeah. A lot of people in the fitness industry either got completely destroyed or had a great year. I know mm -hmm. my friends work for a, a, you know, a manufacturing company that does exercise equipment and their company like quadrupled in size because of all yeah. the home gyms that were happening and you couldn't you couldn't buy weights you know like for the longest time i paid way too much money for some some weight plates and you know, after after a while but so uh, uh, everything's out of stock um yeah yeah i mean i had friends that were coming same thing where for, i mean people that trained in person yeah. and worked at like commercial gyms got wrecked yeah. But yeah, I, I know rogue elite fts you know, oh, Titan, yeah. every fitness manufacturer was sold out of Oh, it didn't yeah. matter I was what like it was. checking them was every band, day. Dumbbell, plate, barbell, <laughs> yeah. a rack yeah. setup, like. Yeah. So I mean, it was good on that front, but yeah, it was definitely a year of adaptation. I realized where, I mean, I wasn't in the U.S., so right. of course, Thailand was very calm. Um, as I said, the one thing that was a big hit for them was there was no tourist. So obviously, in, in Thailand, is literally like twenty percent of their GDP is tourism. So that was a huge drag in their economy. But because you know, they're an ancient country, people can always go back to literally their village where their parents or grandparents still farm rice and they have a cow and they have a garden. So yeah, they have sort of that underlying social structure in place to weather almost that situation. Right. Not that it's good that they're in a recession, but you know, they have that family extended family structure, that uh, you know, substance living structure. Yeah, whereas in the US, obviously, like I yeah, I, I wasn't here, I'm only looking at news stories, but you know, seeing like the economic devastation, people losing their jobs and businesses getting shut down, gyms getting closed, people getting dragged out of their homes or 
you know, you know, by force, you know, like watching this stuff uh, yeah. get enforced. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was very sobering. Where, you know, not to, you know, be black pilled in the United States, but I, I just knew from that point on, I'm like, okay, like the the social situation in this country is it's changing for the worse. It's not going to magically reverse itself overnight. Right. Yeah. So this requires a level of like tactical, strategic preparation. Like, all right, like how, how are you going to thrive in this situation? Like, how do you start? What do you, adjustments you need to start making? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and this this year will be interesting as well because you know, like you know, who, who depends, you know, how hard they go and when and, when, and in which directions, you know, because obviously there's going to be some big changes uh, for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's like I, I obviously make my living from running my mouth. Uh, so that's not really the same, same, same. <laughs> so that's not really the best situation to be in. But uh, you know, it's been pretty good so far. Obviously, a lot of guys were interested in uh, concepts like maybe you should have a tribe, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, uh, my books did fine <laughs> this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I things, bet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, well, and it's the the other thing is it's kind of funny that. Uh, on the cover of the way of men they're all wearing masks like which is you know i wrote it in 2012 and did the art in 2012 but now it's just <laughs> funny i'm like i feel like a prophet like <laughs> wow they, it's like, it looks, yeah it looks like like mad max with with masks and i'm like well that maybe that's 2021 i don't know but uh, so yeah so what are some of the i mean you're a as far as egypt goes before all the bullshit went down mm-hmm. i mean what did you see there that was interesting Egypt, so I'll choose my words carefully. I don't want to ever be overly denigrating. Egypt, the one thing I'll say, Egypt is the dirtiest country I've ever been in. Wow. By far. It, it, it is just a level of general dust and garbage and filth that is, yeah, like, I was not prepared for. And I've traveled a lot of places. That, that is a very dirty country. Um, so that, that's one negative, I'll say. You know, anyone that goes there, don't expect it to be clean. It's not. Right. Yeah, that said, I, I mean, I know e- Egyptians are not Arab. I'm not going to call them Arab, but the, the general, let's just say Muslim world, the one, uh, one of the great things about them, I'll say, very hospitable people. Yeah, that's one, that's one thing that I, I love about Muslim countries. They're always very hospitable. You know, it's a part of Islam where you treat guests with extreme respect. If I bring you to my home, so if you're, you're now you know, under my roof. Um, so the service, the customer service there is quite excellent. Yeah, I, I always appreciate that. Uh, you know, for anyone that's never traveled outside the U.S., you don't realize how shitty U.S. customer service is. Just, just general U.S. service towards anything until you go somewhere else. Um, right. you know, you're not getting sassed by teenagers at Starbucks. You're not getting attitude from somebody. There's not, there's not the generic overweight manager that's giving you shit you know, for wanting right. to return something. You go outside in the broader world, you get treated very, very well. You know, maybe not everywhere, but a lot of countries, they have that kind of service. And Egypt certainly did. Uh, and the, the, other one, the one big thing about Egypt, of course, is the historical stuff. Um, yeah, I, I went to the pyramids while I was there. Nice. Pyramids are six, 7,000 years old. Yeah. And, like, and they're big. Yeah, like you can, it's crazy because in Cairo, you can see them while you're in the city. Yeah, they're sort of like they're on the horizon. And you, but you, could, you can go to them. It's like a 20, 30-minute drive to get to them. They're across the Nile River. And they're enormous. They're at, like just it's staggering in scale. And you realize like, shit, like someone... You know, people, slaves, whatever, Jewish slaves, whatever the hell, black slaves, who cares, right? Right, slaves, right, right. Like they built, they built this, like men with fucking logs and stone and just basic, you know, Bronze Age tools. They fucking built this. Yeah. Like, how long did that take? 
and you can actually go inside them a little bit. There are certain tombs you can actually go into, and like, you know, there, there was, there's one tomb, I want to say it's like called like the Sarcophagus of the Queen. It's right next to like the big temp, big pyramid. Um, but it's supposed to be older than the pyramid itself. And like, you're in this chamber, like this is like someone's body was in this for like 7,000 years. Like, yeah. So the Sphinx, uh, what I was saying about the Sphinx, the Sphinx is actually not that big. Right. So like you expect it to be like this, ma- I don't know. In my head, I had this idea that it must be like this eight story, you know, statue construction. Yeah. It, it's maybe about two and a half, three stories. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's it's comparatively diminutive, you know, next to the pyramids. Um, okay. Yeah, but it, again, as I was saying, like you can just kind of like, so, like walk up to it, walk around it. It's it's in like a bit of a ravine, you know, in regards to, like the larger pyramids. Right. It's right there, and it's, it's right there. And you know, and the one place I didn't go to that I re- like regret not going to, uh, it's because the country's closing down. But Valley of Kings, right? Yeah, you know, same thing. If you want to go to Valley of Kings, though, it's like a day's ride from Cairo. Egypt's not that oh, big. Wow. Very huge population, but it's literally just Cairo. Everywhere else. You know, Cairo is like the mega city. You have Alexandria, you have a few other smaller cities, but you have Cairo everywhere else. Right. But all of their historical stuff is just entirely like out in the open. Like there's no real security on anything. Yeah. Which is, which again, when you're in the US, that would probably have a gazillion guards around it and you'd have to walk through metal detector, all this stuff. The security there is almost nothing. Um, Like the uh, Egyptian Museum of Antiquities. So they've got all the sarcophagus is in there they got the statues got all this stuff from the tombs most of it you can actually literally touch it's lit it's wow. it this was a, like funny stuff in egypt but there's certain things that can be incredibly disorganized this museum was the most disorganized mess museum i've ever been in wow. there's no structure to the museum at all it doesn't start like in a time period there's no route you take to go through it and like okay here's here's the old kingdom here's the middle kingdom here's new kingdom they just shoved everything in a building wherever they could fit stuff. Yeah, I, I swear to God. Wow. Yeah, so you'll walk in and immediately in front of you is like sarcophagus, 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 tomb. Nothing's behind glass. There's no climate control. So you, you, could, you could literally, I mean, they don't let you do this, but if you want to like go get inside, you know, like, you know, a, a chamber, you know, or like your, or someone's coffin, you could totally do that. Like no one's probably going to stop you. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was, it's just funny. It was funny because I was walking next to stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, most of stuff's in Arabic. I'm like, wow, this statue's from 5,000 years ago. Like, holy shit, this was a real guy. It's like, you know, you can just, you could, you could jump up on it. You know, people would do that sometimes. Some of the Europeans, they yeah. you know, kind of look around like there's no, no real guards. Like, you know, jump on the statue, hug it, like just, you know, take a bunch of pictures, jump off of it. Like, <laughs> uh, so that, that was the Museum of Antiquities. Like, and that's how they run it. Wow. Yeah, I, I I don't I didn't get it. Like, I, part of me is like cognitive dissonance, right? I've been going to so many museums, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Is a museum? This is like somebody's basement. Yeah, I, but that's that's how they operate. So cool. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Anyone that ever goes, like, you you're gonna be surprised as an American how loose it is. Wow. Cool. So, what's did you go to any places like that in Thailand? Uh, I went through a few a uh, few temples. So Thailand, uh, I mean, they probably they must have museums, right? But it, like the old stuff in Thailand, the cool stuff is always like the Buddhist temples. Yeah. Um, so Thailand, like a little bit about the history of Thailand. So Thailand used to be part of like the Kingdom of Burma. They kind of went back and forth. It was Thailand, it was Burma, it was Thailand, it was Burma. Uh, Burma invaded Thailand like in the 1700s. I want to say like the 1760s, and they destroyed a lot of stuff. They had to be rebuilt. 
and the, and the ties to this day don't really like the Burmese. Like, you know, it's, they'll never, you don't say this openly, but the Burmese are like, yeah, how'd you say? Where it's like, uh, you know, maybe in the US, like in the 1960s, is like, oh, Mexicans are like the poor, dumber brown people that are our labor force. Right. And th- yeah, Thailand, it's like, you know, and whereas for Mexicans, like the stupid people are like Guatemalans and Dominicans. I'm just being right. super racial to humor right now, but this is true, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's, well, let's, if you go to the rest of the world, uh, yeah, go to other, the world. Pla- other places have prejudices that we don't even know about. Yeah. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everywhere in the world yeah. has prejudices. Every Everyone is racist everywhere towards someone. Yeah. So the Thais don't really like the Burmese for that reason. Like, this has yeah. been like an axe they've been grinding for 300 years. Right. Uh, but they had to rebuild a lot of the stuff, and they rebuilt it really nice. So, like, all the Buddhist temples, that's all beautiful. A lot of it's been built by, like, sort of the king's family, or, you know, they've had a ruling king for, like, 10 generations or so. Going back to like King Rama the first, so that's all the historical stuff to see. And they have some very cool stuff. Um, you know, Buddhism because it has depictions of hell, so you can go to certain temples and like you can walk through like this artistic depiction of purgatory. And, and their scale, like uh, there, there's one temple I want to say in the north. It's like that. It's a white temple. I I couldn't pronounce the name at all. Save my life. But it shows like literally Buddhist hell. So you, you can walk through it, and it shows it shows skeletons, it shows demons, it shows bodies being torn apart this is all carved artwork awesome. um you know it, yeah it shows people you know being crushed under stones like all this really sick graphic stuff super cool you're like you know, like you walk through like this is like the garden of hell you know and like and here's the garden of purgatory and here's the garden of paradise you know and here's like the ascendance of the next life cycle you know it's all extremely visual um so i went to a lot of places like that which was very awesome and, and I, did, I did a few ceremonies as well with sagat where they have a lot of holidays, so there's certain days. Today's Family Day, today's Teacher Day, today's fa- Father's Day, Mother's Day, today's some sort of auspicious day, as they say. So let's go to the temple. You know, we'll go there for the ceremony. We give gifts to the monks. You know, we get the blessing. You know, they're very I mean, Buddhists. You know, they're they're Theravada Buddhists. So Thailand's all Thais like very much believe in like in luck and fortune. Mm-hmm. So anything that you can do to like increase your inclination of getting lucky of having blessings or you know so overall like universal benevolence you know they take that very very seriously you know so a lot of the ceremonies kind of orient around that um like they, they orient themselves towards that and then you know, even certain monks like we went and saw one monk that was a, a former uh, muay thai fighter that decided to become a monk uh you know and he gave us like a blessing for like great power and great strength and you're like and you'll be invincible in your fight you know when, next time you fight you know, these kinds of things um, yeah, the, the monk culture there is interesting because any man can become a monk at any time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's almost like expected that at some point in time, every Thai man will serve as a monk for at least six months. Usually when your father dies, that's like sort of the cultural ritual. So when your father dies, oh, wow. as, yeah, like this is, this is a common thing there. Like whenever your father dies as part of the morning, you shave your head, you go to the temple, like you enter into the monkhood. And it usually lasts... Yeah, that that's just it, it's almost I'm gonna say everyone does that, but the majority of the population does that. Like when your father dies, you become a monk, or like it could be like another close relative, but the father, especially, it's a patriarchal society like everywhere in the world. So it's usually like six months. Uh, even celebrities will do it. You know, like, like they're you know they have celebrities like everywhere else. You know, if, uh, there was a celebrity. Yeah, he was like a singer there, singer actor. Like when his father died, he shaved his head and did monkhood for two months and then while you're a monk you're doing all the duties that you know a monk would do so you meditate every day you pray in silence you sit in silence you sweep the grounds yet you, know, you administer certain alms and you know administer certain basic rituals and then most men after a period of time they decide to you know they leave the monkhood 
And like, okay, I did I did my morning, I did sort of like my service, and now I'm gonna enter back into real life. Uh, some guys will, you know, some monks will keep doing it, and there's there's levels to the monkhood sure. uh, in that regard. Um, so they'll do it maybe like one to two, you know, three years, and then for some men, it's it is somewhat of almost of like a career. Uh, you know, because the, the monk, you know, the, the temples are free to live in if you're a monk. And then people, the the general population around you, they're always giving you money and giving you gifts. So, yeah, you, you obviously have sustenance that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found that that was very fascinating to me. Um, you know, like that that's their mode of uh, sort of grievance. Well, it's it's yeah, interesting. It's like uh, I think there, there's a saying that you don't really become a man until your father dies. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's interesting because it sounds very initiatory, almost like mm -hmm. uh, you go through this process, you basically shave your head, become another person, and then, you know, go take on a new role in life after you're done with that. You know, it's, it seems very, it, it fits a lot of patterns, really. You know, it was, that's oh, very definitely. interesting. I've never heard about that, but that's, that's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, everyone's allowed to do it. Um and then yeah, like, what, what things were interesting to me about it, like, is depending upon what your past life was, mm -hmm. once you're a monk, like, you're considered to be auspicious for certain powers, so to speak. So, so Thais take this very seriously. Like, whatever the monk is that you're seeing that you're going to for advice, um, you know, like, I'll give, you know, let's say a guy was a doctor and then he, like, entered into the monkhood. Like, okay, so this, as a monk now, like, you must have healing powers because you were a doctor. So okay. people are probably going to come to you wanting some sort of physical healing. You know, the same thing with like the monk that was the former MMA, uh, MMA Muay Thai fighter. He was yeah. like supposed to be this very good fighter, this champion fighter. He's a monk now. Like, oh, so he, mu he must have powers for fighters. Okay. So you know, if you go to him and like you, you tell him that I have a fight coming up or I need, you know, I need, I need strength. I need speed. I need something like, okay, he's going to give you certain blessings that will give you that kind of power. Um, and, and, and I obviously like, I don't speak Thai. So a lot of this, I kind of learned from Sagat who didn't necessarily speak the best English either, but you know, like what he really conveyed to me, a lot of the culture and you, and you see this as you really observe it is that, like Thais very much have this transcendental metaphysical world that they live in, you know, versus in the, like, we don't have this in the United States. You know, this is, right. this is, that'd be like groovy girl, you know, crystal chakra shit. Yeah, but yeah, but for ties where like their culture is truly alive and living and like it's in everything that they do, like powers exist, you know, like gods exist, like God exists. Um, yeah. you know, so like you know, certain actions you take and rituals you do, like, okay, like you wanna you wanna make more money. Oh, you wanna like knock the guy out in your next fight, like, oh, you're you're feeling weak. Um they're very uh almost like greasy and in like the way they regard sort of like the the soul of the body. You know, so like this is like um so like this is like a historical thing going back to ancient Egypt. Like it is the is the soul like the heart or the brain? Mm -hmm. So like for the Egyptians, for the Greeks, it was considered that your your sort of your inner world, your inner universe, it was in the heart, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now like in like the modern Western world, it's like okay, we have the mind, you know, we have the world of mind, like it's it's in here, we're in our heads. For ties, it's about heart. Okay. So they don't talk about mind. Like they'll tell you like when you're training to fight, like you must you have you must have no mind. You, you like you can't think. You're you're thinking too much. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you're going to be sense. if you're going to be good at this and you're going to excel at Muay Thai, Muay Thai really sort of captures everything about the culture. You have to you have to have heart. Like, do you do you have strong heart? Do you have weak heart? Is your is your heart feeling weak? It's so like when fighters, let's say, they get discouraged, like they're questioning their fight career. Yeah, you know, they they don't talk about cognitively, like oh, like I'm thinking about it and you know, I'm having doubts and insecurities. Like, like they emphasize like my, my heart feels weak. Like I, I don't know if I have like the power in me for this anymore. Um, so I, I thought that was super cool, right? Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's just different. Like, yeah, that's the cultural stuff yeah. where you go somewhere else. Like, wow, this is, this, 
like how they view the universe and their reality is on very different terms. Yeah. Well, Western men tend to get, I mean, uh, especially depending on how you were raised, uh, really athletic men that I've, I've known who are just naturally athletic, mm-hmm. uh, just from learning martial arts myself, it's dudes who are naturally athletic, copy your movements and dudes who are naturally kind of bookish a lot of times will think about what you said and then yes. and they'll they'll verbally walk through all the all the steps of what you just told them to do which mm-hmm. is really slow <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. it's really it's not really how you learn that stuff it's like you actually like over time you just like uh, when i started jujitsu i just stopped uh from learning boxing and and, ha- and doing that like and now you turn your hip this way you know like that it a lot of guys will do that. They'll actually mm-hmm. walk themselves through it. And uh, when I started learning jujitsu, I was more like, uh, I'm just not even going to learn the names of moves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to learn the names of things. I'm not going to care for years. Eventually I have to learn some stuff like that. But right now I'm just going to go <laughs> copy what other people are doing and feel my way through it, mm-hmm. which I think is a lot more of a natural way uh, than trying to like be super you know, brainy about it. So, I mean, it, it yeah, the Western men do tend to get up in their own heads a little bit, you know. Yeah, so the whole idea of them being in the heart, I think, is actually um, inter- very interesting. Yeah, well, the way Muay Thai is taught, it's all—I mean, I don't want to say it's unintelligent, since Muay Thai is like there's a lot of striking elements in Muay Thai. You have hands, you have elbows, you have knees. It, like it's—it's it's a lot to think about. And if you, you know, if you if you're if you're untrained or even this, you know, maybe only trained a little bit, and you get put in with a trained guy, you just right. get your life taken from you. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it can be horrifying. It's like, holy shit! I, I'm really just, I'm helpless. Like I, I could be killed by him if you want to. Yeah. Um, but the way they, the way they teach, it, it's all about heart. So like, they don't really care if a guy loses because Muay Thai fighters in Thailand they fight every month from the time they start training to whenever they retire. So there is no such thing as having an amateur career. Okay. As soon as you start training, you, you could literally train if you wanted to do this. I, I, this wasn't possible while I was there because all the fights were basically shut down. And there's also no foreigners there. And there, there's no one my size, unfortunately. Yeah. Right, um, right. Yeah, there's not too many six foot plus, you know, 200 plus guys in Thailand training Muay Thai. It, it's a smaller man's sport, like a lot of yeah. like sports are. Um, sure. But the way Muay Thai works is once you've basically trained for a month, you're considered ready to fight. It's like, all right, you, you, like, you, you actually showed up and trained hard for a month. Okay, like you want to fight? Uh, yeah, okay, we're going to book you a fight. Cool. Like, let's go fight. And they'll and they, they the matchmaking there is very good. So they'll go and find another guy that's only been that's training good. one or two months. But you're ready to fight. Like if if you have heart, like if you, you think you want to do this, like you're ready to fight. So kids, like Sagat, he told me when he was a kid, he was like 10 years old, and his brothers were, you know, like he comes from a fighting family. Um he has a lot of like older relatives that were fighters, um, which yeah, I could talk about, but he comes from a fighting family. He was like 10 years old, brothers were at the gym, they brought him. He went there for a month. He had pretty good power. You know, as he found out, like, you know, power is, you know, remember if you have it or you don't. Um, but see, he found out he hit pretty hard for a kid. After a month, they're like, oh, you, you want to fight? He's, he was like 9, 10. They're like, oh, he's like, okay. He had three fights in one weekend. Amazing. He lost the first, yeah, he lost the first fight, uh, then won the second fight and knocked the kid out in the third fight. And he won like 20 bot, which was enough for like two bowls of noodles. Okay. Back in like, <laughs> Back in like 1968 or some something, some shit like that. Right. And then that, then his career started and he had 311 professional fights. Wow. And he had, he knocked that, he had 151 knockouts. 
and like and the way fighting works there is you fight every single month usually multiple times a month and maybe as you get more to champion level you might fight less but it's just routine okay you have a fight coming up this week and then three weeks later and then four weeks later and then three weeks later and then four weeks later and three weeks later so you have to be fit all the time right and because they don't they don't do hard sparring there the way guys okay. do in the u.s it, like the thing in the united states i was talking about this i, I wouldn't box this morning i had my I had my you know sparring i do now um but we were talking about it and we're like in the united states because there's no such thing as being like a pro fighter that way where you fight every week you know every week every month yeah mma fighters if they have more than 10 fights it's like oh i've had 10 fights that's like oh that's pretty good that's a lot of fights yeah damn yeah. you got 20 fights so yeah. In the you know in, in the United States in the gym guys have gym wars they basically have fights but it's at the gym like sparring means we're gonna have an actual fight I'm gonna beat your ass you're gonna beat my ass yeah that's yeah. this is a very routine thing the ties they don't do it that way because they actually have pro fights all the time so their sparring is very much more technical it's light sparring it's play okay. sparring it's getting your timing down so they train very hard like it, this is two three hours of training like they'll claim they'll a, a typical practice like a serious gym like the gym i was at it was uh it was th three rounds of rope skipping everyone skips rope you're not ratting, you're not getting out skipping rope everyone skips rope right three rounds of skipping three rounds of shadow boxing five rounds of bag work five rounds of pad work and then anywhere from six to ten rounds of sparring clinching and you do that twice a day okay. so on any given day you're getting in like ten rounds of Sparring and ten rounds of bag work and ten rounds of pad work and six rounds of skipping and also you're and you're expected to run too if you have a fight coming up like you should do be doing some running and the running could be anywhere from like you know let's say usually they say like thirty minutes at least and you're you're running on top of that so you're looking at like a five six hour day of training so like you don't need to spark go crazy in the gym you're gonna you have a fight coming up um, yeah but that's how their careers progress so you have your first fight there for a lot of guys when like they're ten by the time they're fifteen. They've had 60 fights by the time they're 20 they've had at least at least 100 fights wow um and and what you quickly find out you know going back to the original point i was making who has heart to do this shit? yeah if you, and you like if you start if you're one of those guys where you get a little better but you start getting hurt or like guess what fighting fucks you up okay like you don't you don't have the fighting heart for this that's okay you know so yeah. and if you if you lose it's not a big deal they don't care like they have you could be a 12 year old kicking your ass kick you might lose three in a row but like you fought hard every time so who cares if you lost but what they really look for is if you are in a fight you're getting beat up and you get discouraged mentally that's what they look for you know they yeah. see that like oh this, okay this guy you know he's hurt he doesn't want to fight he's not willing to get knocked out he's running away he's dejected afterwards he's sad his heart's sad maybe this isn't for you yes you know, like and there's no hard feelings obviously it's like if this isn't for you it's not for you it's okay you know, but you know, don't don't make yourself do this. You, like if you lack, if you don't have the heart, then you don't have the heart. Yeah. No, that's 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 cool. Because yeah, there's certain things that yeah, you, people shouldn't push themselves. It's good to push yourself. It's good to push yourself, but there there is a certain thing like, at a, it's good to try a lot of new things. You know, but and to see where you and and push yourself past that point because there are a lot of things that I do now that I if you would ask me at 28, if mm -hmm. I could be even reasonable at, I would have been like, no, <laughs> you know, like things that I just were never thought were part of my potential. So I always encourage people mm -hmm. to do that. But at the same point, I, I, I do think, you know, there's a certain point. If you do, if you do enough of it, you have to know yourself 
a little bit to know where your aptitudes are, you know, yeah. what, what you care about the most. I mean, like, you know, like I have all these guys who think I'm like some kind of operator or some bullshit. I'm mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not my job. Uh, I I'm a writer, <laughs> you know, like I, I like to fight and do stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, I think it's important that all men do something like that, you know, as part of their lifestyle. But uh, you know, I'm not, I have no fantasies about uh, uh, that. I'm, I'm fucking commando or whatever, you know, that's not mm-hmm. my job. I'm about, if, if I was, I started about 20 years late. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've had that with fighting because guys have asked me that are you going to fight pro? I'm like, and I 100% yeah. plan to, but I also don't have like illusions. Like, Oh, I'm going to be the fucking world champion. Like, well, like if I, yeah, if I look, if I, let's, let's be objective. When did I start fighting seriously? Like really training. I'd say like when I right. start training seriously at age 30. Right. So I reasonably assuming I really take really good care of my body. I could, I could yeah. say I have 10 years. I have 10 years, let's say before I hit 40 and obviously you turn 40 and usually you're a little bit slower, right? Like the certain yeah, things yeah. are unavoidable. Yeah. I made 42 if I want 12 years. Um, yeah. But I remember I was talking about that with like a, with Sagat a little bit. He's like, how, you know, how old, you, you know, how, how many years you are? That's, that's what I asked. You know, how many years you are? I was like, I'm 30. He's like, he's like, ah, old. He's like, you have heart. He's like, you know, every course of training, he's like, you, you have heart though. You have, you have, you're strong. You have power. You have, you have the power. He's like, you can fight. Um, you know, and he, he had a relative that was, a who was a champion fighter. This is actually like an inspiring thing for me. You know, I was there to sort of like cemented the decision to like take this really seriously. But he had an uncle, uh, from the 1960s, 70s called the, the silver ghost. Right. And this guy was a champion in his youth from like the age of like 10 to 20, went to prison for murder at the age of like 2021. 20, like the, the exact dates are not known. But basically, so he was a champion fighter. He's known for having knockout power. He killed a guy, went to prison, got out 14 years later when he was like 34. Okay. Uh-huh. And started his career again nice. as a movie fighter. And went and became a champion again at like 37. Savage. So, yeah, it's like he was called the Ghost, and he was like, and Sagat showed me a picture of the guy. He was, he's like fucking, you know, the tat up. He's like fucking tatted up, like you know, this you can tell they all got shoulders, right? Shoulders just had one of those looks of like that's a yeah. that's a hard motherfucker, right? So Sagat told me that story, and he, like he, you know, he could tell he's like, yeah, you know, I was you know, inspired by. It. He's like, oh, let's let's go visit the guys like the statue. Oh. Um, there's a statue of him in his hometown. Uh, you know, it was built, put, built up, put up after he died. And like, I took, a, I got pictures of me, you know, next to it, um, along with some photos of him, you know, but after hearing that, I'm like, all right, like I, I could have, you know, some stuff, some substance to doing this seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the goal right now with all this training I've been doing, you know, since I've been training twice a day for the last 10 months, like to fight professionally. Nice. Um, you know, but then at the same time, I, you know, I think about that in the back of my head. I'm like, dude, you're like, you're 30, you're going to be 32 starting like a pro fight career. Right. Fucking cool. Like, cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. I mean, do it while you can. I mean, I have a, it, it, it's doors close as you get older. Yeah. Uh, you're like, um, probably, uh, like you're 22 and you're like, you, you could literally do anything at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're 22. And then as you get older, it's like, you know, you get like, well, I can't just run off and join the military because that they won't take me. You know, like yeah. there's a whole bunch of things that just close. You're like, well, I'm probably never going to do that. So, you know, if you're still young enough to do it and uh, give it a shot, I mean, if you take three fights, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a good story. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a good story. I do, I do like it. Uh, like starting something like that as you're older, I do think you have a different expectation, which is cool. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't start training any martial arts. So I was like 38. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't have any fantasies about like, you know, like that you'd have it at 22, you know, yeah. like, I'm a fucking badass and I'm going to kill everybody. And da, 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 you know, like, I'm going to be a fucking and, light heavyweight champion. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, I, like, I would just like 20, be a little better at this, you know, like, yeah. I, I think I could do pretty well, you know, like, I think I'm all right, you know, like, uh, and then you surprise yourself a little bit, but uh, it's, yeah, you don't, you don't go into it with the same, uh, you know, I hate this word, uh, but the same ego as, as mm-hmm. I think you do have when you're a young kid. You're like pretty realistic about, like, okay, well, there's a timeline here, you know. Yeah, I no, that's very true. I mean, if I was if I was to make that like a teachable moment for any of the guys that's gonna be listening to this, like yeah, twenty to from the age of eighteen to twenty eight, you can probably literally do like you said, fucking any you do anything you want. The world is your you're own. Young, yeah, yeah, you're young, your body isn't screwed up, you don't you don't have like I, I don't I don't feel any different right now at I'm gonna be thirty two. I don't feel any different physically from twenty two where I'm like, Oh, I'm slower, you know, like I've lost a step. But I've had had stupid injuries. Where it's like, right. oh, remember that ACL I tore? Fuck, yeah, I do. You know, because my knee hurts from it. Right. You know, or like, oh, remember when I hyperextend my fucking elbow? Oh, remember that, you know, shoulder separation from fucking benching? Yeah, I remember it because my shoulder hurts from it. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not to imply that you're going to, anyone listening, like you're going to hit 30, then like you go downhill physically, but just stupid injuries and things like that pile up. When you're 22 to 28, you probably have, or 18, 28, you probably haven't hurt yourself. You can do anything you want physically. If you have physical gifts, you want to explore them and apply them. Like, yeah, that's where you can put yourself in a position and say, "Hey, if I train for the next five years, I could be world champion." You know, I, I could go to you know maybe the Olympics, or I could go to the Pan America Games, or I, I could do this at a very high, truly elite, world class level. You get into your thirties, maybe, and then obviously when you get closer to forty or at forty, you're going to be in the Masters division with the old guys, which is totally cool. Yeah. You're yeah. the master. I mean, if, if, if it takes that, if that's when you have to start, that's when you have to start. Yeah, I, mean, cool. I was actually, when I was doing a traditional boxing, uh, they were looking for, you know, like in the USA Boxing League, the, the, uh, my assistant at that time was taking a fight. And the coach was looking for me because I was like, well, if he does it, I have to do it. I'm like, the, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm his, yeah, like uh, whatever uh, example, you know. And so if you have to do it, I have to do it. But I'm like, and, and I looked at some of the USA boxing, like dudes in the masters category. And I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, I want to fight those guys because it wasn't good. <laughs> you know, like in boxing, especially like you either get hit in the head a lot and you're a mm-hmm. real mean motherfucker or yeah. you're just a dad who's doing it because his kid's doing it, whatever. And it was what, the, what I was seeing was dads. And I'm like, I'll, I'll go punch someone's dad. You know, like that sounds great. Yeah. But uh, you know, <laughs> it'll be glorious. But uh, no, I mean, it's good. It's good to do it regardless if you can get it up. So they couldn't even find anyone for me because it wasn't you know, the same size and age and all that kind of shit uh, at that time. And yeah, I don't think I would really do that now. But uh, but yeah, it, it is. It's it's definitely interesting. And yeah, a lot of guys think. They, what you're saying about like injuries uh, mounting up, there's there's all kinds of different 35s and 45s, you know, based mm-hmm. on how I w- I always like to say I'm lightly used, like I was a lightly used like yeah like I was lightly, like uh, you know like I'm I'm training at at uh, one of the places I train at is Jeremy Horn's gym and he's like okay. had like 200 he's had like 200 professional fights or something like that yeah. like something insane and we're all, we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that, that's 
That's funny. What, what his body must feel like versus what my body feels oh, like are Jesus. totally different fucking things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's a huge difference in, uh, you know, and, and uh, same as dudes who have gone, who've been in the military for eight or 10 years and had to rock every day. Like their knees are garbage, you know, like in their, oh, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, compared to like, well, I, I was just, I, I was just drinking in San Francisco. Nothing happened to me during those years. So I'm fine. You know? So um, it, I get to be lightly used, but, but yeah. People uh, that, 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 yeah. I was going to say that, that's a good fitness point to make this again. If anyone listening, rucking will destroy your, your knees and hips. Yeah. I, I have so many, I've had so many clients over the years where like maybe younger than me, a guy, there's a guy that was like 27, but he did four tours in Iraq with a hundred pounds of gear. He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, oh, got no cartilage in my knees i'm like yeah like if you're gonna ruck like do it very lightly and very occasionally like adding weight to your body than attempting to run with it it's it's not necessary for anything it's really not and unless you are literally a soldier you, like, you don't need to be doing that just it is for be soldiers, smart they, should, they should probably make shoulders do it less just because it, it's yeah. so bad for you and then uh you know like actually weird uh, a friend that i used to had there, there's a, I don't want to talk shit about it, the group or whatever, but there's a, there's a whole company that has, you know, like a competitions for rucking for like civilians. And I'm like, this, that is a terrible idea. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, that's, that is not good for you. Although I was, I was very inspired today. I was at the gym because Utah is fairly free. Uh, mm. And I was at the gym today and there was literally someone doing farmer carries with a full plate carrier in the gym. And I was like, Fuck yeah, America! <laughs> you, know, like, you know, he's like, like he seemed like he was either like, you know, some, uh, you know, like somewhere came from somewhere in Asia or somewhere in, uh, you know, uh, like maybe maybe Latino. It was hard to tell that kind of yeah. cross, you know, maybe Filipino or something like that. But uh, you know, yeah. like a big American flag on his on his uh, on his uh, gear, and I was like, hell yeah, uh, yeah pretty cool. And they, you know, so I took a little picture of it and sent it to some of my friends because obviously there are places in the country where if that if a plate carrier walked to the gym, they'd lose their minds. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you probably, you probably get a rush to get the cops called on you. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. women, but yeah, yeah. I think he had the full yeah. plate in it and everything. He was he was that's awesome. the real deal. Yeah, yeah, it was that's it was cool. I, I was glad to see it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So, uh, you know, you, you've been kind of on the solar thing as well. Uh, you know, as far as uh, I know, we talked about doing a podcast ages ago, actually, yeah. while you were in Thailand, and, yeah, well, uh, Thailand. you know, the connections and whatever were, were in the scheduling that didn't work out. But uh, what what does that mean to you and like the, the whole solar approach to things and, and, and uh, what does it mean to you and uh, what have you done in the past year? And how, I'll just I have another question, but I'll just stop there. Let's go. there. Yeah. Yeah, so solar life, I mean, like, this has a lot of depth to it. Um, sure. But I, I always start things off topical. Um, like, on a very basic level, like, when I was in Thailand, or not even before that, like, when I was living in San Diego, I started getting the habit of training outside more um, yeah. in the sun. Mm-hmm. And the difference in training and this, the general satisfaction of a workout when you are inside and the sun's on you, you're bare chest, you take off your clothes, you know, you're in shorts, whatever, versus being indoors was just, mm-hmm. it was just dramatic. Um, yeah, even the gym I'm at now, uh, it's a Metroflex Marietta. They have an outdoor training area. I only use the outdoor training area. When I was in Thailand, I started to basically only train almost outside exclusively. And this being in the sun, because we are, we are legitimately like light powered, solar powered beings, you know, everything from your, your, your circadian rhythm, your expression of testosterone, serotonin, dopamine, um, your mitochondrial function, that that's all linked to light exposure. 
Like you need, you need, you need solar radiation to function normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all know that intuitively. If you take a, if you take anyone, you put them in a dark environment, don't let them see the sun. Yeah, you know, allow them only to see blue light. You know, screen. Typical office worker life, right? What happens? You get depressed. You get lazy. You feel sad. Yeah, you know, like you're living like a low energy, low light yeah. life. It's why so, grunge music came from Seattle. <laughs> you know, well, and, and uh, you know, it's it's why it's why there, there's a high suicide rate in places like that too. So yeah, so the solar life, like that's when I was in Thailand. I'm like, I was like, the, I was living solar every day. I'd go outside in the sun. I'd get my training in. Most of the gyms in Thailand for Muay Thai, uh, some are indoors, but a lot of them are open air gyms. Yeah. So like you're, you're always, you know, like even if you're not in the sun directly, you're in the air. You can, you can walk out in the sun. You can walk back in. Uh, it was just, it was just incredible in terms of the quality of life. Like I just, I feel like I was like living at the peak of my existence every day. Like this is just, nice. this, like this is the life to live. This is how man was meant to live. You train the sun, you eat in the sun. You know, you wake up in the morning. It's like you, you, you feel in your eyes and it's just, just incredible. So I started, you know, posting on like Instagram, like, you know, train solar, train outside, basically just start with that, like train outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on a, you know, sort of like a more like social, cultural, deeper level, the, the world is, especially the past years, has gotten so increasingly dark, cynical, black pill, you know, all, all the adjectives I could use. There's so few men you encounter on a broad social level that like they're light filled, that they're right. bright. Yeah, in the way of in the way of looking heroic, in the way of being an example, in the way of like where you can look at a guy's profile or pictures, like, wow, that, that guy's high energy. Like, you know, he has yep. he has that kind of life. Like, you don't see that. You know, it's such a rare thing. Mm-hmm. And as I that was kind of like the feedback I started get from guys that would follow me, where it's like, wow, man, like your life, like it just looks fucking amazing. Like, holy yeah. shit! Like, you know, you're, like you could tell you in the pictures, like I'm super tan, I'm glowing. Um, yeah. Like, I, I feel I feel like fucking a billion dollars you know just, you, you can't there's, there's nothing that compares to that you feel like you're yeah. immortal yeah, yeah. I, and yeah at the same time i was researching um i was researching ancient greek training methods so i went on this really deep rabbit hole last year for like two months where i paid for uh you know academic journals and got behind paywalls where i wanted to find out legitimately i'm like how did the ancient greeks train because they trained outside yeah and i was yeah. like you know you know, especially with fighting, I'm like, I'm like, I'm 100% committed to this. I want to get better. I'm like, how did these guys train? Boxing has been around for thousands of years. How did boxers train back in Byron, BC? You know, because I've seen statues of them, you know, in museums. I've seen, you know, like that, that artwork exists. Like they're fit. You can tell they're fighters. Like, what did they do? Um, and as I found out, there was a huge body, body of research, historical records that exist on like and how they actually trained. Um, and one of the foremost things of the ancient Greek gymnasium was the fact it was an outdoor training environment. They always trained in the sun. Right. There, there was no indoor gym. Um, but I, I looked up exercises. I looked up, you know, like the, the, the hand weights they used. And a lot of this stuff actually has descriptions. Like there's actual lists of like, here's the basic preparatory exercises for drone preparation. Here's what boxers should do. Here's what runners should do. Here's how to get the legs stronger. Uh, and it changed my training style as well. You know, like I don't really, I, I lift weights kind of now. Right. But for the ancient, yeah, for ancient Greek boxers, this, I'll just go down this rabbit hole. This is super fucking cool. So yeah. ancient Greek boxers, the heaviest weights they had to use were about 10 kilos, roughly 20, 25 pounds. Okay. So the foremost um, modality of athletic preparation was wrestling. So what, no matter what kind of athlete you were, you would wrestle as basically like a way to get your body physically fit. Mm-hmm. 
So like like wrestling was sort of like their strength training in a way. Like you know you're great. And anyone that knows has like you know this. You know, you, like you're, you do jits. Like when you're clenching grappling, like you kind of you have that's going to build some muscle. It's not going to get you bulked up, but like right. moving a body around, like it builds this level of functional strength that you really can't compare to anything. Yeah, yeah. So wrestling was the base. And then with wrestling, you also had like you had running, you had sprints. They did a lot of fucking hill sprinting. I found that out in the research. Like they mentioned this very specifically, where it's like, okay, these kinds of runners, if you need to build up this kind of endurance, you want bigger legs, run hills like that. You know, just taking bigger steps, run incline. But their upper body training, like that was most, was most fascinating to me. They did dips. They did probably something that approximated like a pull up with ropes or like body weight rows, but right. they didn't do any kind of chest pressing. They didn't have any kind of heavy pressing that way. Everything was done with these light hand weights called uh, halteres, and they only weighed, like I said, about 20 pounds maximum. And they did shitloads and shitloads and shitloads and shitloads of front raises, lateral raises, bent over raises, overhead raises, walking raises, isometric holds, like for time. And this is this is described in detail. Like it's not, you know, like this is not supposition. It's like you do these exercises, you do this kind of raise, this kind of raise. Um, they did basically almost like a like an Arnold curl, you know, like bicep overhead press. That's how they work their upper body. And like, I, that was as fascinating to me because I started doing that more, uh, more and more. That's a lot of what my training is now when I do train upper body. I do chin-ups and I just do shitloads of basically like arm shoulder raises. The transfer over to boxing to striking, like it's it's a direct transfer. No, it makes perfect sense. It legitimately I mean, is. Like, fuck, half yeah. the hardest thing about fucking boxing is keeping your hands up. Keeping your hands like, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's... It's, especially if you have big arms, you <laughs> know, it's like, yeah. okay, like, oh, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone learns that the first day, you're like, holy shit, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and so, if you're doing you know, this all the time, I, I can't imagine that that wouldn't help, you know, like if, if you're doing raises and shit like that, I can't imagine, yeah, so yeah tons of tons of delt raises, yeah. basically. Nice. Um, so like that was super, super cool. Um, but I, I started doing that outside, so like, yeah, like 30 minutes of the workouts, it's like, all right, you're just doing gazillion lateral raises, iso raises, front hold. You know, overhead hold, and you're like, I do that now. I'll do that for like 30 minutes. And you know what? I go to box, and you know, for being relatively still like a beginner, like I actually yeah. ha I have the upper body endurance, and I'm not like a small guy. I'm like, fuck, this works. This yeah. totally works. Yeah. Nice. Um, so like, I like that was part of the solar life. I actually, I for anyone that's interested in that, I put all of it since I wrote probably like a 30 part article series on that whole subject of ancient style training, ancient Greek training. I put into a document called Ancient Athletics. Um, it's on, it's on my website. If any guy wants to purchase it since I, I thought okay. it was super cool and people, people enjoyed reading about it. Yeah. I enjoyed researching it. Yeah. No, it's like, you know, that was... that's, that's one of the coolest things about the Greeks is that we actually have the information. Oh yeah. They, and they, there's there, everything they did. We know like it, rather than mm -hmm. like a lot of the other ancient cultures, you're like, eh, so there's this grave. And so we think maybe uh -huh. they did this thing, you know, but uh, the Greeks, they wrote it down. We, we know what they did, which is awesome. But yeah, I'll yeah, definitely they, put a link to that in the, in the, in the description, yeah. I'll give it to you. I, I got asked that question, like, hey, man, could you research the Vikings or could you research, right. you know, like, other warrior groups? I'm like, hey, I'm sure the Vikings did cool shit, right? I'm sure everyone sure. did cool shit that's a warrior. Yeah. The actual historical records, you got ancient Greece, which is yeah. incredible, and then you got graves and artifacts, and there, there's no written anything. Right. So you're you're just assuming that the guy that had the big axe, like I bet he threw stones or some shit. I'm like maybe he did. We we have no idea. Yeah, we don't yeah. Know. It's funny to read some of those guys, like uh, some of the academic things and whatever. Uh, you know, 
you almost have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt, like because they're they're extrapolating real hard from like, mm-hmm. well, no one would simply carry this for you know uh, any reason, but other than you know, it's just things that they just don't know. They're they're making up yeah. explanations, and a lot of times these are people who actually haven't fought or haven't done you know like all these other things, so they may not even be looking at it the right way. Uh, and well, that, that was what was interesting researching. Yeah. Not, not to cut you off, but when I was researching oh, the even, even the Greek stuff, I could yeah. tell a lot of the academic researchers that were uncovering, like the, the even the hand weights they used, or yeah. they they actually ha- they have records of the exercises, uh, like the physician Galen, um, he's like the second most famous guy after uh, Hippocrates, uh, like he actually you know, he wrote down a lot on exercise training. Like there's books called like Gymnastica where it describes training, but you could tell the people translating it because they literally just didn't lift. They weren't sure what exactly was being described. So, like, uh, I remember like one of the movements that gets described. It's basically like uh, like an alternating deadlift. Like you yeah. like you deadlift to one side, up to the other side. They didn't know what it was. So, like, there's this there's this exercise, and it's like it sounds like they put their feet this way, and then like they turn their body one way, turn the body the other way. Right. Yeah, like you could tell the descriptions. Like I I don't know what the fuck this is. You know, even even like the, the like the lateral races or like oh it's it's thought like oh this they say they put their arms out to the side. I'm like. Anyone that's a bro knows that doing this is a lateral raise. Yeah, exactly. But if you're, yeah. yeah, if you're, if you're a fucking skinny fat researcher, academic, like you don't know what that is. It's like, oh, it's like an, you did, you did an arm raise. It's, it says that like they moved their arms back. First. Okay, they did like a front raise, this side raise. But yeah, we're bros, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. to us. Clearly, you never lifted weights. You know what that is? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. funny. That was a funny experience in the process of you know researching all that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of that, you know, in that world, unfortunately. I mean, and there's, you know, obviously super smart guys who are academics and bring a lot to the table, but uh, there, there's definitely a lot of, uh, I didn't, like, if you had just left the, the, the library, you would, might know, you mm-hmm. might understand certain things better, you know, <laughs> it's, it, there's a good balance to be had with some of those people, but uh, anyway. So uh, any, anything else you want to add as far as uh, the solar uh, ideals? or the, the direction that you've gone what oh that's what i wanted to get to what yeah. kind of yeah it seems like there's kind of been a community that's like come up around like there's a whole bunch of dudes doing solar stuff now and some of them i'm like i wish you would not use that and then other ones are like oh you're right on good good yeah you know and that's always the case with anything that you create you can't really see how it's gonna go in different directions and everyone was kind of doing this at the same time you know but uh yeah, so what what have you have you had any experiences with that? I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys who are doing that kind of stuff right now. We're talking about solar things and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it now almost become a meme. But yeah, the way I, the way I conceptualized it is like any any activities you do as a man, like fighting has this way of both like burning off your ego, yeah, you know, and building you up and you make you more confident. Like what's you know, I think fundamentally like it increases your energy. Yeah, yeah. So when I the way I model training solar, like the guys like in my my inner circle group, like everything that you do, you want that to amplify and increase your energy. Like right. if you want to live solar, like you want to be a light for people, both for yourself when you look in the mirror yes. and everyone else. Like what can you do that makes you that person? So this gives you a filtering mechanism for, I'm not going to waste my time on bullshit, bullshit, bullshit arguments, low energy activities. I'm going to do things that really amplify my energy. So obviously, right. yeah, lifting is part of that. Combat sports are a huge part of that. Where you live is a huge aspect of that. Oh yeah. Um, I got much more pushy the past year telling people like, you know, if you're living in a blue state that you feel the quality of life's going down or it's, you know, turned fastest, you know, the governor's, you know, going ballistic, 
move. Like yeah. you, if you, if you want to live this high energy life, you want to be that kind of man where like you'd envy someone else looking at them. I want right. to be that guy. Holy shit. Like what a cool life. Go live in a place that gives you that kind of freedom. Yeah. Go do that. Yeah. Otherwise this whole conversation, right? Like you're telling them this, it's a, it's a moot point. Yeah. If you're telling, you know, if you're, you're, I want to live solar. Okay. Like dude, fucking go train. Oh, the gym's closed. Yeah. Gym's been closed for eight months. Make, make a fucking move then. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I sympathize with it to a certain extent. Cause there's obviously huh. I've, I've been a guy who made $12 an hour. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like that's hard, you know, it's hard to figure out when you're doing that at that point. But you know, like I was lucky enough when this happened to, to be in a better position. So I was like, fuck this. I'm selling my house and I'm not living like this for as long. I'm going to the freest place I can mm -hmm. find where it's going to be free for as long as possible. And uh, yeah. you know, whatever is going to come is going to come, but I'm going to go to the best place. And there's a, there's a certain amount of dudes that were, uh, you know, almost saying that that was cowardly. Like you should stay and fight. And uh, man, even the Vikings left, you know, like that, that, that the Vikings left, that's they left Sweden. That's why, they, you know, they were going somewhere else. Cause it was bullshit, you know, like they, they, they're, you know, and yeah, you read about the Scythians and all these tribal migrations mm -hmm. and stuff. People migrate because things get shitty where they are. So they go somewhere else. Uh, cause they want to have an opportunity. They only have one life. So go do it. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, there's certain places where, yeah, it'd be cool to, you know, help the cause of freedom, but mm -hmm. yeah, at the same time, uh, you got to like recognize lost territory. And, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be strong, you're going to make money and you're going to do all these things, you need to be in a place where you can do that. You know? And so, no. you know, you, you aren't much good to people if you're like a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah like, I, I got told that a lot like the, the past year I was in Thailand and people tell me you're, you're a pussy if you really were a fighter you'd come back and you'd fight I'm like yeah there's this there's this sentiment of like of LARPing online and I know people want like a civil war where we can literally line up and we can go shoot somebody and then now like oh we beat the bad people and now we're going to have the free world that we all want right the reality if, if you live in a modern western society which everybody does you live in the united states you live in the uk or, or france or germany you have a massive bureaucrat government so that's one thing you have, the, you, have the, you have the the state you have the state you also have a huge social structure because we all live in a functional society the water's still running there's still electricity this isn't Kosovo. it's not you know S serbia versus bosnia in the 1990s like so you, you, don't, you don't really want a war you just want sort of this made-up opportunity we can go shoot punch somebody in the face and think like you know i won i plant my flag on the hill historically speaking as you said when things get bad in an area whether it because because of weather because of the government because of warring tribes you could stay and die or you could stay and become enslaved which is what i think a lot of people are going to have to face up to serve like do i want to continue living in this place that is not good for my health because of all these restrictions and all these things have become uh you know very authoritarian or yeah. you can move to somewhere where there's more freedom yeah, the whole the whole concept of the fucking United States is what, what was it? Religious freedom. You know what? Yeah. We're living in England. Our religion, our our beliefs, you know, our view of the world, you know, our ability to worship, that's being oppressed. We could stay and fight the English government, which back in those days would kill you. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. This is a very different time period. Or we could go to some place where we're going to have personal freedom to worship and believe as we want. Yeah, that's what the U.S. was. That's that's why exactly. why do people come to the United States? 
my country sucks and I can't make any money. I'm going to fight the fucking government. Oh, wait, the government's run by the military and they'll shoot me. Yeah. Or I could go move somewhere else where I'm still from my country. But you know what? Now I can make money and I'm not at risk of being put into a prison and put through rendition and my body gets thrown to a ditch. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I view this very pragmatically. Yeah. Um, you know, and even the concept of fighting, like I've, I told my guys again, like in my inner group, this, like, if you want to change the world, you need to be alive to do that. And if you, and if you're truly committed to battling the powers that be, so to speak, then you're looking at a long march through multiple social cycles, through multiple elections, through, okay, I hope that I can actually be enough of an example, have my own polarity, create a tribe of men. I can send them out into the world. They can do good. They can create their own tribes and create this network. And hopefully over multiple years, probably, you know, looking at 10, 20 years, maybe the culture can positively change for the better and direction I want that creates the world that I want to live in. That's how that actually works. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, I'm not going to, not to talk shit in the people that went to the Capitol since they believed in themselves, but sure, sure. you go, you go to the Capitol. Uh, hey, we're going to go inside the Capitol building. Oh fuck. Now we just committed federal crimes. Like that, Again, I'm sure you had fucking 100% faith in that decision. That was a very stupid tactical yeah. decision. You know, you have yeah. you've taken this is a very this is a very like American like American Christianity thing I've realized traveling where hmm. Americans tend this because of you know almost like religious fundamentalism and like the watered down version of worshiping God that we have. We like to to ascribe to this sort of like apocalyptic apocalyptic end game worldview. Where you're like, you know, there's going to be a second coming. There's going to be uh, an apocalypse. There's going to be a revelation, and there's going to be the final battle that ends all the battles. And maybe this is the final battle. And then right. if we can just win, if we can just win this one thing on this one day, then yeah. heaven comes and everything's uh, fixed, and we got our savior. And like, I I take a very long view of history. Yeah, I'm, yeah. and I I'm not an atheist, but I, I I'm not of believing that way. I take a very long view of history. Right. Change takes time the universe that you want to bring to being takes time to create you know god took seven days to create the universe you're not doing it in one day right so are, right. You, are you god no you're not god do you expect yeah. to accomplish this in seven days or seven weeks or seven months you're probably looking at seven 70 years you're looking yeah. at a long time yeah i mean i definitely do, do think there's a possibility of conflict that you know could conflict be, like, create some change uh but uh yeah i mean what I've encouraged, because you know, I'm in a place as you are that like people might listen to me, so I have to be very careful what I'm what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. And uh, man, I think a lot of it is just dudes have been asleep at the wheel for well, they weren't even at the wheel. They let the they let their women and like shitty dudes drive the cars, and uh, that's that we got what we, you know, we got what we deserved for that mm -hmm. to a certain extent you can't let all the best men just sit at home and be like i'm just gonna worry about my business or i'm gonna worry about that it's like if you're gonna yeah like yeah if you want to make change in society and make sure the place around you is run well you probably need to run for office yourself you're like mm -hmm. like you know and there's a lot of dudes who are like we have 20 years worth of veterans who have, have a lot of them are really decent guys and th now's the time where a lot of those guys maybe need to step up and like start that long cycle of change you know, mm -hmm. and be involved in things. Cause if you just let everyone else do it, I mean, what do you, what do you expect to happen? You know, you'd let the, let the worst people run it. I mean, I would do it except for I'm completely unelectable because I'm a weirdo, but uh, no, you, know, if, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and also I hate paperwork. I can't even imagine being an administrator, 
<laughs> but uh, it's it's uh, still, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys who do have those skills and do, are, do mm -hmm. have the family and the, all the pieces of the puzzle that you would need to make that happen. And I think that now it's the time in the places where it's not lost territory to maybe f for them to like actually start taking an active role. But yeah, it's not like, like you said, this LARPy thing where like they're going to have the big, the big moment and then it's going to be okay. You know, mm -hmm. if anything, I mean, I've thought about it. Like what if the States were actually to secede or whatever, like certain States, like, can you imagine the infrastructure conversation that has to happen? <laughs> like, no, that, I mean, like, that's, a serious, that's a serious question though. Like, okay, yeah. how do we have power now? Yeah. Well, I mean, California's water comes from like Colorado or something like that mm -hmm. or, or something, you know, like, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that need to get untangled, which not to say be, this happens all the time in the world. I mean, it can happen, but mm -hmm. that's a very grown up conversation that needs to take place. And it's not a lot of like, we should do this and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, like, okay, well, does Apple stop serving us? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, do our computers go down because Apple's in California? You know, like, who knows? Yeah, does, you know, our, like, does our Wi-Fi get shut off? Does, you know, does, yeah. does our Verizon say, okay, we're not going to, you know, let's just say hypothetically California seceded. Good. I'd be so happy, but California secedes. All right. Well, there's no more internet in California now. Verizon just yeah. canceled everything. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. They, they shut down yeah. the power site. Yeah, there's a lot of big boy fucking decisions that need to happen and, and discussions that need to take place that aren't just like, we're going to fight. Uh, you know, so it, people need to be a little realistic, I think, about what's involved. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it. It just means that, like, okay, well, let's have a serious discussion about what that looks like. Not like this, mm -hmm. like, just, just we're going to go out with signs and, and dress up in costumes. Because uh, that's not, yeah, that's, that's not how it gets done. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool, it's very what's what's the term the performative you know it's it's, it's the performative protest performative street theater yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna change the world yes yeah, yeah exactly street theater yeah 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 and i i definitely discourage people from getting involved in that because it's just a good way to go to jail for nothing you know like like to put on a show you know but uh as much as i i do admire some of the guys who are doing it because i guess someone has to do it but like i don't want to I, I i wouldn't send guys in that particular direction uh, unless, yeah, I mean, their I respect, unless their neighborhoods are getting attacked, their families are getting killed and all kinds of stuff like that. Maybe it's time, you know, but not, mm -hmm. not what I'm, I don't think that's the best route to anywhere. I, I respect the conviction, but like I, yeah. like, same thing. I've, I've been very careful what I tell guys and I, that's one thing I'm, I'm definitely not encouraging. And yeah, yeah I, there, I, there's always that male fantasy. Like what, we, what if we put together like a, you know, like the, the mercenary army, something that goes and fights. The, I, I don't know the U S government. I'm like, you guys know, you know Ruby Ridge, 1990s, like, uh, you know, or even Waco, Texas. I'm like, I, I don't think going to to war with the U.S. government is a good idea. Like, I, it, you know, but it's, just, it, it, it's I, I realize it's it, this detachment from reality where, yeah, how to say, like, because so much of life is lived online and men are very atomized. Right. You know, maybe they get woken up and they realize, like, they, their life has lacked agency. And then they want to sort of attach themselves to a cause. Yeah. And those kinds of like, you know, fight the power, like, you know, end of the world narrative is like, it's very appealing. Sure. You know, mentally, you just get, it gets inserted in your firmware. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. And the, the, the other, the other side's doing the same thing. I mean, because, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, sure, there's a lot of little blue haired girls and whatever on, on uh, you know, on the left and so forth. But obviously, man, it, there's something that gets tapped into. It's like, if you're a dude and you're on the fence, you get to go be violent and feel like a hero 
you know, <laughs> you get to go burn shit down and beat people up and feel like a hero. I mean, it's just, it's just whatever side's winning. That's like, no. that makes you feel like a hero or not. I mean, so it attracts, it attracts dudes for the same reasons, you know, uh, you know, the left, there's probably a lot of guys there who are literally just there for the violence, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, and that's, that's been my experience with watching some of those groups in real life, you know, like, yeah. like here's the lady with the, the megaphone and that's one part of this group. And here's this kind of sketchy dude over here who, who just kind of came to fuck some people up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? in all honesty, if I was of a different mind, you know, like, and I was younger and yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really like, I'm, I'm not endorsing Antifa at all, but let's just say you're one of those, yeah. let's just say you're a broke guy and you're left leaning. Yeah. It's like, shit, I can go fucking loot apple and like go throw a fucking Molotov cocktail through the chase window of the chase bank where they withdrew my account overdrew it fuck yeah let's go fucking burn the bank down let's start yeah it sounds like a lot of fun and, and there are no consequences for doing that, that that's... We're, not get, we're not getting arrested yeah yeah cool. exactly cool. like oh well you know and i i don't think people people really realize that there's that that, that aspect to it a lot of people just look overlook that but that's totally happening you know, like that. There's tons of guys who are doing that who are like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, the fuck you teacher at school who gave me a D. You know, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of you know resentment, obviously, that's involved in a lot of that. But, but anyway, man, uh, I think I'll probably wrap this up because we've been talking for a while. But this is a lot of no really interesting stuff. I think it's a good start to the start the world season. Is there anything that you have coming up that you want to uh, promote or anything? Uh, no, I'll I'll be in Florida. Um... You know, from February onwards, you know, if there's any yeah. guys that are in Florida, that you know, I'll I'll be probably in the West Palm Beach area. You know, if anyone wants to come through, I'll probably have a meetup at some point there. Um, but uh, you know, aside from that, like obviously, uh, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be a fitness guy, you know, on some level. So if anyone is in need of training solutions for fat loss, muscle gain, you know, generally unfucking yourself and finally taking your health seriously and looking like you know a man, right? I probably have an answer for you. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. No problem, Jack. Good stuff. All right. Adios.